Ask somebody sitting around you how they're doing. Two or three people. How about that? Just give them a good look. Give them a little compliment, you know. Nice shoes, nice haircut, something like that. Good eyebrows, whatever you got to throw in there. Sometimes a little compliment on a Sunday morning really helps somebody out. You agree with that? Say amen. Yeah, it's a good way to good way to encourage somebody this morning. Well, welcome everybody. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that you're a part of this series. Boy, this series is so good for all of us. You know, church in general is kind of twofold, or really manyfold, but this message is is good for today. I mean, you really can take pieces of it and apply it today. But you know what I tell people about Sunday so often is that what you hear on Sundays is as much about today as it is preventative also. You know, it, we're going to go through stuff in life that puts pressure on us or checks our, our relationships and tests us and all that. And that's what each week, it's what we talk about at Southport is how do we apply God's word to our life and live it out? And that helps to prevent things happening. You know, I think about this being our relationship series about marriage and relationships and single and families and all different kinds of stuff. I think about the, the stats we don't have, about the, the relationships that it's saved. We don't have those relationships. We don't have those stats. But my, my understanding is I, I know because God's word prevents us from going the wrong direction. It gives us the opportunity to live it out correctly. So I want to encourage you. Um, be faithful to important series like this. I want to encourage you to, to take it in and use it for now. It's good stuff for now, but man, it's so preventative. It's so helpful for the future also. Um, when, when Jenny and I got married, when we started dating, I can back that up another year, we had no idea about relationships. Both of us had been non-Christians our whole lives. We get saved in college. We start dating. We have no idea how to do this correctly. And can I tell you, it was through godly men and women Couples, singles, young, old, all different kinds of people that would go, well, we ran into this issue. We went to God's word. God's word said this. We tried to apply that to our life and help us to navigate through our relationship. That's what being a believer in relationships is all about. Learning how to apply that to your life and let it help you navigate through life. Amen? Hey, before we jump in, it, if you want to grab your orange bulletin, there's notes in there. You can follow along with us today. There's going to be some good stuff, some preventative medicine but let me just echo one more time. Uh, Pastor Marco did a great job letting you know about the marriage conference, but that is coming up this Friday night. I am super excited. This is our first one, and we need about 50,000 people here to make it feel all right, all right? We want you, we want you to come be a part, and, here, and here's what we've done. We are, we're taking a big hit on this financially because we have we lowered the price so much because we want everybody that can to be a part of it. 50 bucks for a two-day conference, bringing in speakers, bringing in fun stuff. That, that date night on Friday night is going to be phenomenal. Uh, it's one of those things, men, I know you're not maybe super excited about ballroom dancing, all right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've already been catching it in the lobby. Did I not have any input on the date night? You know, that kind of stuff. That's all right. That, I got th I have thick skin. But what I can tell you is if you'll learn, ladies, y'all just visit amongst yourselves real quick. If, if you'll learn to dance, it'll pay off dividends in other ways. Okay? You can write that down. Read into it however you want. I, I meant that in the, the best relationship-building way. And there's tons of stuff, isn't there, that, that we do in our relationship that we may not be crazy about, but our, our partner, our spouse, our boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever that is, they're crazy about it. 
And so it pays dividends for both of us, right? Isn't that the way it works? So I'm excited about it for nothing else to learn something that my wife loves. So we're going to be a part of that. So anyways, um, registration ends midweek. So the next couple of days, make sure that if you're wanting to attend that, make sure that you uh, register online. All the info is on our website. You can get it all, and it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. Here's, here's the thing. This time next week, we're going to be talking about what a great time we had at the marriage conference, so we want you to be a part of that. Sound great? Fantastic. Well, you know, getting ready for this series has been, uh, has been really fun because uh, it's very specific about relationships, looking through God's Word and just some incredible pointers that God gives us all throughout His Word, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to hit both of those today. Song of Solomon, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to hit both of those. But in doing research, can I, can I be really honest with you? All of my research is not in the Bible. You can find some stuff online. I thought I would just share it with you. I have a meme to show you today about relationships. Let me show you the first one here. This summarizes my love life. I'm the guy in blue. Let you get that back there. Just run across stuff like that, and I just shake my head and go, yep, there are days that I'm that guy. Going, put her down. That's a bad example, you know, for us guys sitting in the sand by ourselves. Uh, today, however, we're, you, you can see the title in your notes. It is, uh, it's Learning to Fight. I don't know that I've ever preached over learning to fight. But today we're going we're gonna to learn to fight. We're going to learn to fight correctly. We're going to learn to fight God's way. We're going to learn to fight in a way that helps our communication, right? We're gonna, really, it's correct communication. People that have been married for 20 years, I hear this every now and then, and please just forgive me. When I, when people said, oh, I've been married, we've been married 20 years or 40 years, and we've never had an argument. One of you's not needed then. Because I, I know what, probably what you're saying compared to some of the stories I've told you, you've not had that argument. That's a good thing, okay? That's a good thing. But I understand that when you have two people together in a relationship, there are at least two opinions, right, with two people. And oftentimes we get into a, a disagreement, starts with a disagreement, and then if we don't know how to fight correctly, it escalates to something that causes more harm than good. And so today we're going to talk through some of those. And uh, uh, through doing research on this, I learned some pointers of things to do and not to do from, uh, from some kids. I ran across some of those. I thought I'd share some love letters from kids with you this morning. Let's, let's see the first one here. It says, uh, I'm sorry that I've been chasing you outside. If you will start to like me, I will not chase you. <laughs> All right, we're just going to cut to the chase. <laughs> like, Listen, if you'll like me, I'll quit pastoring you. Okay? How many women know that that is not true also? Okay, they continue to pester you. It's a twisted show of affection for men. I don't know how that works. But the next letter says this. Um, I'm breaking up with you. P.S. Happy anniversary. One month. It's really hard to do this. <laughs> this is only three personalities in that one letter. <laughs> and he got them all. Isn't that so true right there? There's so many variations. Like, I know this is what I need to do, but it hurts me really bad. Happy anniversary. You know, like all of those things together. That... That's a good insight. Next letter says this. Sean, I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. <laughs> that was three months ago. <laughs> you need to get it together. And I like how she spelled get. You need to get it together or you will never get married and that would be sad. You should get married just not to me. <laughs> it's good stuff. And then the last one says... 
I'm not angry at you, or I, I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you today and tomorrow. P.S. All day, P.S.S., I still love you. <laughs> Let me ask you an honest question. How many have ever felt that exact way before? I still love you. I don't want to talk to you right now, right? I don't want, and can I tell you that sometimes not talking is the best decision you will ever make, Right? Not withdrawing and all that, but just going, you know what? My mom used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, zip it, right? Y'all could amen me on the stuff that you agree with on there, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to jump in, and this verse I use multiple times throughout the year. I'm just going to use it as a launching point because it's an overall umbrella for why we study God's Word. In Romans 12, Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. These are believers. It's a mixture of of non-Jewish and Jewish people, people that I'm, what I mean by the Jewish people, they, they kind of had the religious background. The non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the Romans, they didn't. And Paul's trying to write to them and give them some advice for following God, give them some advice for living for God. And I relate to this scripture a lot because when I became a believer, when I became a Christian in, in college, I had to go by faith off of verses like this that, like, well, I've only lived this one way my whole life. And now I'm reading the Bible, and it's telling me to approach relationships and everything else in life totally different. It's kind of by faith. That's really what it is. It's helping me to learn how to do what this is. So listen to this. Romans 12, verse 2 in the New Living Translation. I love this verse. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And here's how he does it. By changing the way you think. Could I get an amen on that? That's how he does it. It starts here. It starts how you perceive things. How you hear things. How you see things. How you listen to things. It starts there. Then, when you do that, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. If I ask you today, how many of you would love to know God's will for your life? Every hand in here would go up, right? Everybody. We want to know God's will. You know how you do that? You don't copy the things that you see in front of you on social media, on the news, in relationships that are ungodly, they're non-God-centered relationships. And what you do is you let God, through His Word and His Holy Spirit, that's the only way God does it, through His Word and the Holy Spirit, change the way that you see everything. Change the way you think. And when you do that, when your thinking changes and you start thinking God's way, then God is able to direct you into his will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. One last question. How many want that for every relationship you have? Right? I mean, that, that's it. That's my hope. Not Scott's, because can I tell you that every now and then when I, when I kind of veer off and go, nope, tired of living for God, I'm kind of ready to just voice my opinion in this relationship. It never goes well. Never. No, everybody in my house, nobody ever just, nobody, not one person ever goes, okay, Father, you are correct. Let's just hear what you have to say today. We will all obey it 100% after your little rampage. Nobody ever says that. Like, Dad, why are you raising your voice? Why are you talking to us like that? Why are you short with us? All of the things that the world does that we see in the everything else versus what God says. So today we're going to study what God says. And we're going to help him or Give him permission to change the way we think. Amen? All right. So we're, first one there is we're going to learn to fight God's way. And I've broken it up into three pieces, bite-sized pieces. How many of you know that's how you eat an elephant, right? You break them into pieces, one bite at a time. Something big, you get, take it in, digest it, take it in, digest it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the fight. 
The first piece, we're going to learn how to, to fight right, and we're going to talk about the fight. Listen, when me growing up, here's the, here's the synopsis of my whole entire life. I remember I got in a bunch of little neighborhood scraps growing up. You know, there's three or four guys on a couple of blocks from us, and we fought all the time. But I remember third grade was like my first big fight, all right? Isn't that pitiful? Like, both of my kids have never been in a fight. Like, most of our kids have never been in a fight. That's so great. I don't know what happened back, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, what that was all about. But I remember my dad setting me down, and he said, what, what was the fight about today? I said, like, I don't know. We got in this argument. We started fighting. He said, well, who won? And I said, well, I did. And he goes, then you were right. <laughs> like, what kind of a rock tells your son? Me and my dad have had this discussion many times. Like, Do not tell Luke that, okay, Dad? Like, that's not true. And throughout my life, my dad was a bit like, if you're on the playground and you guys got something, just start, you know, if he goes, what are you looking at? Just pop him because you know that's next, you know, and just fight it out. And then y'all will be better friends than before. I'm like, what kind of terrible dad? All that, so that, that was my filter growing up. So now all of my relationships, that was the filter. And then, so here I give my life to Christ. And how many of you know, 100% of all of your thinking changes instantly when you give your life to Jesus. And Jenny and I started dating six months after that. And I remember our first big fight. Oh, it was so good. Jenny was living with this, with this lady in town. We were both going to Southwestern, and we went out on a date. Um, I had my dockers on and my denim shirt and my loafers, you know, my slip-on loafers. And, I, and first, I don't even remember what the fight was, but we got in a fight on the way back from wherever we went to where she lived. And we were getting in a pretty good heated fight. And I, I know how to win those fights, right? You just get louder and more demonstrative than the other person until they tap out, right? And that's how, that's how I was raised. And I'm, I'm just following that vein. I still love Jesus, and I'm just, no, you're not going to do it. You know, just like letting her have it. Can y'all believe that? Yeah. And she gets out, and I come around to let her out, and she gets out, and she's just going to the door. I said, no, we need to work this out. And she goes, no, we're done tonight, all right? With you talking like that, we're done tonight. We can talk about it tomorrow. And she goes in the house and closes the door. And I'm doing the, like the Looney Tunes cussing, you know, how you do that. You know, you're like, I can't say those words anymore, but I'm just kind of like. And I, there's some bushes right by the porch, and I just kick the fire out of those bushes. And my loafer goes. And lands right above the door on the roof. And it went from here to here in about three seconds. I'm like, What? And I look, and there's no, I walk around the house, completely around, looking for some way to get up on the house with my one shoe on, being a dress shoe at that. Uh, couldn't find it. About 10 minutes later, I am pacing out on the, uh, the porch. I've already gone through my car to try to find, you know, grappling hooks or whatever you're looking for to get this off. And the, the lady that she lived with was an elderly lady named Barbara. And Barbara opens the door and she said, Scott, is everything okay? I kicked my shoe on your roof. And you know what she had the wisdom to do and say? She said, well, how come? She knew exactly why. Jenny's already been unloading on her inside. How come? And I said, I got mad at Jenny because she wouldn't talk to me. And I kicked your bushes and it went up there. And she said, would you like me to help? Yes. And she went and got me a broom 
and a chair, and I stood up on a chair and reached my shoe and pulled it off while her and Jenny stood in the doorway. Yeah, is that awkward? Yeah, it was just like that the whole time. While I'm fishing around for my shoe, drag it off, put it on, apologize, thank you both very much, and then I left. Do you know when Jenny and I got together the next day, do you know what the first order of discussion was about? Kicking bushes. That's what we talked about was kicking things and yelling and being demonstrative. It was a great lesson right off the bat. Listen, at the time I was 23. You're 23 now. You're a man. Do you want to go through life still acting like the third grader that your dad taught you to be back then? I don't. Then you need to get some scripture, Scott. You need to get some mentorship from some guys that are doing it right. And these sections, these things that I'm pointing out today are the things that we implemented in the beginning of our relationship to help us not kill one another in the beginning and to help us not just kill one another. That was like stage one. But to help us through disagreeing and fighting or arguing, whatever that is, to not just not hurt ourselves, but to actually grow closer together through the process. That's what this is about. Learning to fight correctly so you can help your relationship. You can find out who each other is in your relationship. So, so I'm going to, let's start with Song of Solomon. So Song of Solomon, chapter 5, the last week we read parts out of 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2. That was the, them dating and just longing for each other. Then they got married in their honeymoon night. We just read one verse out of there because that's all you can read in that chapter without not being by yourself in private. Now here we are, we're in chapter 5, and guess what? Guess what they're doing in chapter 5? Everybody say fighting. They're fighting. They just got married, and they're fighting. And I'm sure it's something like, I know y'all have never argued about this, but it's probably, how come you didn't do the dishes? Well, I thought it was your turn. Well, no, I did them last time. You're supposed to load the dishes. Anybody ever had that discussion before? Oh, just our family. Okay, well, good. Would y'all let me know how y'all work through it? Because we're still trying to figure that out. 25 years of marriage, we're trying to figure this out. They probably had this argument. It escalated a little bit. Solomon's ran off. She got ready for bed. Solomon's coming back, and she's got the door locked. All right? And we're going to pick up in verse 2 right here. It says this. I slept, but my heart was awake. Has anybody ever been in that situation? I'm, I'm sleeping, but my mind is just running with what went on in the fight. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking, so Solomon's back. Open up to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. That's a wise man. He's not demanding. He's just, hey, beautiful, can I come in? You know, Can I come in and stay the night? My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I have taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I've washed my feet, must I soil them again? Right, she's kind of she's playing hard to get here, like, ah, I'm already in bed. I don't want, do I have to come let you in? Why don't you just sleep outside somewhere? Why don't, you just, why don't you sleep on the roof with your shoe? You could do that, you know, that'd be a good spot. My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. Fellas, he's like, open the door. He could only get it through the little peephole thing. You know, he's like trying to reach it. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dipped with myrrh, with uh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. 
I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. She played hard to get too long. We've probably all been there. We're like, no, 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 no. Okay, wait, they've left. They're driving around again. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but did not answer. They're in the middle of a fight. They're both playing hard to get. He said, well, if you won't let me in, then I'm leaving again. And he took off. We're going to catch up to him here in a few minutes. But what we want to do in this scenario, in the fight, let's talk about the fight. Let's talk about the disagreement. Let's talk about in the heat of the moment. What can we do to not put a division between us, to not put distance between us? You're sleeping in one spot. I'm sleeping in another. How about we create some things to help us with that, all right? There's, a, there's two in this, in this section I want to talk about. Number one is this, to create some boundaries. Very first thing we did in our marriage, created some boundaries. When we argue, let's create some boundaries for arguing. How about that? You know, I mean, a good boxing ring has four boundaries, right? The UFC has eight. Come on. We, we need, in our fights, we need to have some good boundaries. So how about, how about we say things like, let's never fight in public. I didn't get an amen on that, but I got a lot of nods. Let's not, let's not fight in public. Let's not be as goofy as we are at the house. Let's not do that in public. Amen? Let's, let's not fight in front of the kids. Well, y'all really missed a good spot for an amen there. Y'all look really spiritual if you say it right then and your spouse didn't. You know, you look real spiritual. Let's not fight in front of the kids. You know... Maybe every few years, five or six years, when me and my wife, we, we are having a disagreement and we come in and we're still like, no, I said this, no, I said this. And we're, we're talking, my kids still wig out because they've never seen us like throw down and have a fight. Never have. I, I witnessed, like I helped my dad repair sheetrock all growing up. I knew how to repair sheetrock at about seven or eight years old because my dad would get mad and they had a fight right there. Wherever they got mad, they had to fight right there. Everybody else could leave, but they're going to have it right there. And it was one of the things, Jenny's family, they fought in front of each other. It was one of the things we said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to neglect and show my kids that we never fight. It's okay if they understand that we have arguments and disagreements that are even heated. But I want to show them that one of the things we're doing is going to protect them from not having it in context. We come in from a disagreement and we walk in the house and we're still arguing about something. You, you hit the kids at the high spot. I don't want them to see us like that. I don't want them to misunderstand things. If they hear a little something when we're in the bedroom or in the closet or whatever, then we'll come out and explain, hey, mom and dad had some serious disagreements about some stuff, but we decided instead of arguing in front of y'all and stressing you out and making you worry and all those things, that we would step into the other room and not argue in front of you. It's a great boundary. Before I had kids, I questioned that because I'd only grown up with fighting in front of me. But a great boundary. Let's, Let's not fight in front of the kids. All right, I'm going to really push it. And this is, this is from me. Y'all ready? You got your pens? How about one of our boundaries is don't raise our voice. Woo. No yelling. Can I tell you, that, that came from Scott's side of the rules in the family because Jenny doesn't have a problem raising her voice. She didn't have a problem with wanting to pick the table up and throw it through the roof or anything like that. She didn't have those problems at all. Jenny is very smart, went to school on an academic arguing scholarship, I think. She can just work me under the table. 
And how I would win, <laughs> I'd just crank up the volume, you know. And, and you know you, when you win that way, you really lose, right? You just win temporarily and you lose later. So one of my things was, one of my boundaries is I don't raise my voice. And my kids can attest to that. You can ask my kids. My, kid, my son, when he's about 12 or 13 years old, you know, he's starting like, Dad, I don't think so. You know, and he's trying to buck up a little bit. The first thing I want to do is, is pull a Grandpa Morris on him. You know what I mean? Like, my dad would have, like, double-legged you, taken you to the ground, wallowed you around in the carpet so you'd have some good carpet burns all over you. And then when you're really about to die, he would have a conversation with you about this close. Never had to worry about what my dad was thinking. He'd just tell you. And didn't do it out of anger, 100% of love. So... So he's probably going to watch this. I'm going to get all kinds of text messages. My phone starts blowing up. But with my, with my kids, what I was going to say is they know dad is super serious when my voice goes from, hey, will you carry out the trash? No, I'm not. I, dad, I carried it out two hours ago. And I can't believe you already filled it. I'm not going to carry it out again. I'm like, what did you just say? Because my, my, my thing now is I pull it down. Luke, come here. Oh, and you can just see it. It's all over him. If you ever talk to me like that again, I'm going to grab you by the ankles. And he knows that because my rule from the beginning is if I go there, if I start doing that, then it just opens Pandora's box to all the rest of the junk that goes with it. I'm going to make some boundaries. And, and I'm just telling you that for whatever the things are in your life that add to the fight, you need to say, let's create boundaries. And we both agree on because our fights are not meant to tear us up. They're meant to build us up through the fight. Did you know that? Isn't that a crazy thing? I never knew that growing up. You actually can learn great things about one another, the unfiltered things about one another if you fight correctly. The second thing is, how about we control words? Woo! Every, every time I share this, it just gets quiet. Control our words. It's one of the most difficult things to do. If scripture is correct and we speak life and death, then how important is it for us to control the words that we speak to the person that we love the most? Amen? And you have to go through and write things down. One of the things that we came up with was no name calling ever, not joking. Not, in the worst case scenario, no name calling. My name is Scott. Her name is Jenny. You can call names like honey and sweetie and babe. You can use those. No name calling. No idiot, stupid, slow, whatever you like to throw out. None of that. Never. Never, never, never. It's never happened not one time in our marriage. Because we both saw our families do that. That was one of the rules we immediately said, never. Never that. In fact... We said you never, never say the D word. Both our families were divorced. Really bad divorce on my side. Still going on, I think. It's been like 30 years. Still going on. We're, we're not ever going to say that, ever. Not joking. Not with tension. Not in a fight, for sure. Never say the D word. Never. Another one that we write down is that we never threaten. Don't threaten. Well, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do that. Well, you just set yourself up for more pain. We have to articulate what we want, so we have to control our words. Amen? The second one is the choice. Woo, I spent way too much time on that first one. 
The second one is the choice because how many of you know in the middle of a fight, there are a thousand choices. 998 of them are the wrong direction and two of them are the right direction. When tension is high and we can use God's word to help us understand how should I, in, in the middle of a fight, how should I buffer my choices? And here it is right here. Proverbs 15. This will, this will help you steer everything right there. Proverbs 15 verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. It is our choice in everything that is said, done, the looks that we give, the demands that we speak, everything. It can be gentle and help or harsh and hurt. Gentle and help or harsh and hurt. It's our choice. Like right now, I'm in a great mood. We're not arguing. So guess what? My choice is ahead of time. It's gentle. 100%. Everything. I don't need to be manly by being harsh. I don't need to be right by being harsh. I choose gentle. And I choose that when I'm in a good mood so that we're in the middle of it. I go, I've already chosen before this fight, right? I'm not going to choose in the middle of it. That's the wrong time to be choosing. I'm going to choose before that I'm going to step out and I'm going to be gentle. If she's chosen that, then we don't have anything to worry about. Our boundaries aren't going to get crossed. Our words aren't going to get said. And we're going to grow through this. Amen? May not be easy, but we're going to grow through it. So three quick things to help us to choose correctly. Number one is I'm going to listen or intentionally listen. Can I tell you, this is a hard one for Scott Morris. I'm, going to, I'm not going to listen to the visuals that I'm picking up. I'm not going to listen to the emotion that's going on. I'm going to listen to the heart of the matter. I'm going to find out what's going on so that I can help with this. I'm not going to throw out things to confuse it. I'm going to listen to what they're saying. And it gives worth when you listen. It gives room for a conversation. How many of you, you're, you're, you're either listening or you're preparing your next statement? Let's listen. Pause for a minute. It was very difficult for me to do this in the beginning. Because I, I want to I rapid fire. Okay, so is what you said this? No, that's not at all what I said. I thought I was listening. Let's, let's do it again. Because I want, right? I want to get better at this. The second one is to understand. Seek to understand. And what I mean by that is that we're a team. Right? It, you and your spouse are a team. Could I get an amen on that one? I know it's a little tense, but we're a team. Like the Bible says that these two shall become one. We're one team. Yes, we're two individuals, but we're one team together. I don't want to do anything, even if it allows me to win temporarily, that's going to destroy part of my team. Like I really need to understand this so that our marriage gets better with age, and I don't look forward to her dying of old age, right? Yeah, you can laugh. That was a funny thing. I wasn't being serious at all. Yeah, I, I want us to look forward Day after day, more and more to each other. And the third thing is I resolve to empathize. Whew. Can I tell you, this is a trick that I learned from my grandpa. Learn to empathize. I want to know what's bothered you. Hey, can I tell you, I'm sorry for what's going on. I want to help. Like get in their space. And let me share it like six months ago, eight months ago. One of my, whew, I'm just going to say that a family member that 
I was having some tense moments with that I could hear through other family members that there were some tense moments. I, we hadn't like had a fight or anything like that, but there was some tension. And I called them and said, or texted them and said, hey, you want to grab lunch in the next couple of weeks? And they said, sure. And I could tell, you know, you can tell by the text, it's kind of weird, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I understand. So we go, we go meet, we're standing in line to order. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. We sit down, we have a little surface talk. But I learned a trick that my grandpa taught me about. Why don't you just be honest? Let them know that you empathize with them, that you want to be in their shoes, that you want to understand what's going on. And I remember looking at this relative sitting across from me, and, and I said, well, you know why I asked you to come to lunch? Yep, yep. Kind of got, you know, their face kind of went straight. And I said, but let me say something before we talk about this. I want to tell you something. I love you beyond anything that whatever the tension is like if I've done something wrong let's talk about it work it out let's discuss it all that kind of stuff but can I tell you like I love you your family that goes way beyond an argument I I'll do anything to work this out so that we can have a great relationship again and can I tell you what happened God is my witness we're sitting there in the middle of a restaurant and this person (laughs) and just starts bawling out loud now Part of me is going, yes, I got him right in the heart. Yeah, like, this is working, just like Grandpa told me. And the other part is kind of weirded out because people are looking like, what is that jerk saying to her? Saying exactly what I wanted to do to empathize. I wanted to let them know, like, let's don't get focused on the problem first. Let's focus on that we're, we're related. I love you. And it, believe it or not, that little trick started with my grandpa trying to reconcile him and my grandma and Jenny and I do that thing now sometimes we'll get in an argument and go let you want to go sit at the table yeah let's go sit at the table and boy you can tell marching like we're you know we're Soviet Union marching right into that dining room and sitting down hey before we get started I know what you're gonna say I know do you still love me yes okay I love you too let's remember that let's filter everything through that I'm sorry at whatever happened I have no idea let's work through it Amen? Like those are huge little secrets that change the whole dynamic. If I would have sat down in that restaurant with, with my relative and said, you know, this is a bunch of junk. I didn't do anything. I mean, y'all are the ones always griping or y'all are the ones always... If I would have just started there, which may have been true, that would have just went south. Amen? It would have just died. Truth is not always the way you want to start. Most of the time, it's not the way you want to start. Uh, a, a gentle answer helps things, and a harsh answer hurts things. Start gently. Start, do I love them? Yes. Do I want to say it? Probably not. But have I lived long enough now and experienced that that I can confidently say, hey, before we get going, let's lay some ground rules. First of all, I love you. You're my kin. We've known each other since we were born. Whatever is between us, it's temporary. All right? We're family forever, and we're going to have a good relationship. And that, that right there almost solved the whole thing. We talked about our problem about five minutes. They understood since I was, they had heard that I was upset at them about something. So they got upset about me, right? So you're even. It's not how that works. As soon as I said that I loved them, I didn't even know what was going on. It dismantled all the self-defense mechanisms. And we walked right through it and had a great lunch. The last one is this. Part three of fighting correctly. First is the fight. When you're in it, right, you've got you to have boundaries, you've got to have some rules. 
The second one is the choice, so that as you're navigating maybe areas you're not familiar with, the choice is always gentle, gentle, gentle. Everybody say that with me. Say gentle. Sometimes it doesn't work. Can I tell you that? Like sometimes the other person is freaked out and you're gentle, gentle, gentle. And they're just freaking out and there's, they combust and blow up and all that. But that's, that's on them, right? It's not on you. Come on, can I get an amen? You're just responsible for you. I'm going to choose gentle. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to choose gentle. We don't want to have something and I add to it. And then the third one is reconciliation. The helix case. It's where fights need to all end. Song of Solomon, the next chapter, verse 11 says, this is her speaking. I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley. This is her giving some examples of, I I went out looking for him. See if there was some new growth. Like, let me, let me check and see there's still hope. That's what she's saying here. Listen to this. To see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. You know, like she's saying, if, is, is there a new season? Is there a, still an opportunity? Have we ruined it with this fight? Or is it okay? And then she says, but before I realized it, I love this, my desire, that's Solomon who she's talking about. Before I realized that Solomon had set me among the royal chariots of my people. Before I realized it, he had forgiven me. I'd forgiven him. He said I was great. The, the way I picture that is before I realized that he sat down and said, before we argue, I want you to know I love you. He dismantled it. You know what I'm saying? She came down to look for him. Is it is pomegranates, are they in bloom yet? I mean, like, do we have a fresh start? Is, is there still time? And he chose the high road. And they forgave. And can I tell you another scripture in Ephesians 4? We're going to read one more. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. There is no secret about that. You forgiving that person before they even ask for it, before they deserve it, whatever logic we would come up with, you forgiving them is you being Jesus right there in the room with them. And you giving permission for this argument not to destroy us but to make us better. Some of you in the beginning when I said that fights are supposed to make you better, they do when you end like this. When you end with reconciliation, when you end by forgiving one another, you get to see grace and love and mercy coming from the person you care about the most for you and back and forth. And that, in spite of the little fight we just had, that grows us together. Billy Graham's wife, the late Billy Graham, uh, his wife, Ruth Bell Graham, she said this, a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And all the married people said, amen. That's what it's about. It's, it's learning how to fight correctly. It's learning how to fight God's ways. You're going to have fights. Everybody does. Even the people that say they don't, they're like, everybody fights, just different variations. It's learning how to fight correctly. So at the end of it, whether it's a 15-minute one or a 15-hour one, we come back together and we go, hey, I forgive whatever's gone on here. And now we don't have to talk about the things that we shouldn't have done because we already set the boundaries and the guidelines and the rules. Listen, I'm going to end this message the way I started last week's by reminding you of some of the rules. We talked about some of the rules that we're going to be honest in this series because it's too important not to be. But 
I want to remind you of rule number two. Rule number two is that if I know anything, that God is the God of new beginnings. Listen, we can't, I can't do anything about what I did five years ago, right? God can take care of that. God will take care of that today if you want. But what we're going to pray about from this point forward is that God would help us be gentle and not harsh. That he would help us to be wise and set up boundaries and guidelines so our fights have a ring. We know where we don't get out of. Here's the boundaries that will keep us safe from creating damage in those fights and it will actually pave the way for us to reconcile, forgive, and actually grow stronger through our fights from this day forward. Amen? God is the God of new beginnings. That's another reason we come to church. So that somebody in our worst time, right after a fight on your way to church today, can remind you that God is the God of new beginnings. He loves you. That He designed marriage after our relationship with Him. He's the groom. We're the bride. That's what He wants to teach us our whole lives about relationships. Today, I want to pray for our relationships. Whether you're, you're not in a relationship, you've been in relationships, or you're heading into one, whatever the situation, wherever you're at in life, you're going to have relationships with people. Let's pray that God would teach us that when we disagree, when we argue, one of the most critical things that we do, if we do it correctly, that God would help us to fight His way. Amen? Let's do that. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. God, if it was just left to the people who loved me growing up, they did. My parents loved me so much. They're just incorrect. They just didn't have you leading them, Lord. I'm so thankful for your word that it teaches us, teaches us how to humble ourselves, how to tear down walls of self-defense with love, how to lead the way in forgiveness. You teach us, Lord, how to create boundaries and create guidelines so that within the fight, that the gentle answer turns away wrath, that a harsh word stirs it up. So many verses like that, Lord, teach us how to disagree, how to argue correctly, so that at the end of it, you forgive, we forgive, and we grow in our relationships. We grow better. Today, Lord, I pray for every relationship in this room, every relationship represented. Maybe it's represented by one side. Maybe it's represented by the future. Maybe they're both sitting right here, right now. And I pray you would do, Lord, just what we prayed all week for this series, that you would do what you're so amazing at, that you would set our hearts right, that you would cleanse us and free us from our past, that you would show us that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect for us in the future. Lord, we're not going to let our minds be conformed, our habits be conformed, our, our actions and reactions be conformed by this world, but we're going to let them be transformed by you and your word and your spirit and change the way that we think and approach relationships so that we can walk in your perfect will for us. I pray you'd protect relationships in this room you protect them from the attack of the enemy. you protect them from pride. you protect them from all the things that raise its, its head in the fight. 
that your word, your spirit would guide us and direct us so that we look back at each time when we've had disagreements and arguments, Lord, and that we can come out of them better and stronger and more in love than when we went in. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for giving us another chance, another chance, another chance. Thank you for being with us our whole lives. With your eyes still closed, let me, let me just pray one more prayer and for a very specific reason. We want to pray today because I don't know how in the world anybody ever makes it outside of a relationship with Jesus, much less in a relationship of marriage. If you're here today, I want to pray one more prayer, an opportunity to commit your life to Christ so that you can take from this day forward, you can take Christ into every relationship with you. And he'll teach you by your spirit, by his spirit, how, how to live life with him. If that's you while I pray, will you do something? Right there where you sit. You don't have to come up front. You don't have to stand up. Right there where you sit, will you tell him, say, Lord, that's me. I'm opening my life. I want you to come in and change it. Forgive me of my past. Help me to learn from you. Jesus, I love you so much. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. More importantly, more than anything, is your grace, your mercy. I pray that today, those in this room that are making that decision, that you would come into their heart and their life and you would change them for eternity, that you'd forgive them of their past. And from this day forward, from this day forward, don't let them, don't let them drag that past with them. Remind them that you have forgiven them of that. And that from this day forward, you have a plan that is good and perfect and pleasing that's called your will, and you will lead them in that each day of their life. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, Keep going until the end of this progression. Amen. Amen. Let's Go. worship together, Kim.